one constant through all the years, Ray. Been Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning to you. This is the Beyond the Game program, recording from Rochester, New York. Glad to have you with us as we talk sports through this next hour, mixing in some faith perspectives along the way. I'm Rick Benson. Joining me is my co-host, Zach Barletta. You can follow us on your favorite social media platform. Our handle is at BTG Program, or stop by our website, btgprogram.com. Zach, like a lot of people, weight has been, well, it's been something of a struggle for me. Most of my life, I think, I think my metabolism paces itself like a bit, a bit like a tortoise. <laughs> you know, it, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm pretty much flat out sexy for 50 plus. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. <laughs> Probably much in the way, you know, you'd find a cat coughing up a hairball to be sexy. Smoking! <laughs> of course, I'm in ministry, you know, so I meet with a lot of people throughout the week for different reasons. And I like to connect with people over a meal, over a cup of coffee, uh, rather than in my office. I just mm-hmm. find that so, I don't know, sterile. So uh, mm-hmm. people, I believe people are more comfortable. They're more relaxed over a meal. Something about shoving food down their throat puts them at ease, makes them. It's our it natural makes, environment. Yeah, it mm-hmm. makes conversation easy. So I think I need to renegotiate my deal. I need to ask my boss for an incentive contract like Eddie Lacy has. He's yet to carry the ball for the Seattle Seahawks, but a month or so ago, Lacy earned $55,000 during his first weigh-in when he tipped the scales at 253. He needed to be under 255 pounds. He was $55,000 for him. On top of that, this past week, he received another 55 grand for getting under 250. At one point this season, I I think I saw that he weighed 267. So if that's the case, and I don't know what he's at now, but he's at at least 250, down to at least 250, because that was the mark to get the uh, the 55,000. So he has earned $110,000 for losing 17 pounds. That's pretty good. I need to get that at my work as well. That sounds pretty great. And get this, he can tack on another $55,000 in August when he has another way. And in fact, the Seahawks have it have his contract structured so he can earn five more of these $55,000 bonuses all through the NFL season when he stays under 245 during the regular season September through December. He can make a pretty great living without even touching the football. <laughs> exactly right. Now, we know the Bible warns against gluttony, and of course it's a sin that so many Christians like to not talk about, just sort of overlook it, but gluttony applies to any number of things, including overindulging on food, and you know, verses like Proverbs 23, verse 20 and 21, do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, drowsiness will clothe one with rags. 
Basically, the Bible saying, don't be lazy. Don't be a glutton. God calls us to control our appetites rather than allowing them to control us. Self-control being one of the fruit of the spirits, of mm-hmm. course. So if that's the case, then since I work in ministry, I think my boss would want all of us on staff at the church to be in shape. My logic is since that's the case and since it's been a struggle for me, I don't know if it is for everybody. Wait's been a struggle for Eddie Lacy. Seahawks gave him $55,000 series of bonuses. Wait's been a struggle for me. My boss ought to give me a series of $55,000 bonus incentives. It just makes sense. I mean, it would just, yeah, it, it would make sense. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Speaking of contracts, do you think Dusty Baker is on the hot seat should the Washington Nationals not make the playoffs this year? He probably should be, although I don't think he will. Well, they have a pretty good lead in the NLE, so it's probably not an issue. But you think that Baker will now want to stick around a few years because earlier this week at the Major League Baseball draft, the National used a late-round draft pick, 27th-round draft pick, the 823rd overall pick on his son, Darren Baker. And to add a little context to Darren, who Darren Baker is, he's the little kid who was the bat boy back yes. in the 2002 World Series. What? No, I guess it wasn't that long ago. Maybe it was 2002. It was when uh, when J.T. Snow pulls him out of the way. Yeah, as he's about to get trampled at home plate. Yeah, that's the little kid that was just drafted. And, of course, this Major League Baseball draft has a bunch of familiar names. It usually does, especially mm-hmm. in the later rounds. But this year... Going through the list, it was just a ton of names that you would recognize, sons and relatives of people like, for instance, Casey Clemens, son of Roger Clemens, was taken by the Blue Jays in the eighth round. Jacob Gonzalez was picked by the Giants in the second round. You remember his father, Luis, hit that bloop single off Mariano Rivera. Yeah, won the World Series. He's probably going to end up at TCU, though, although you think a second-round pick is – that's decent money. That's decent. So maybe maybe he won't. He's got some things to think about there. Mentioning TCU, Mitchell Traver, who's appeared on this program, was picked by the Angels in the 20th round. He was picked last year in the 17th. So, you know, if he can stay healthy, that's going to be a steal for the Angels. Congratulations to you, Mitchell. The Marlins selected Joe Dunand. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, in the second round. Nephew of A-Rod. Mm, I saw that. Tom Glavin's son, Peyton, in the 37th round, although he'll likely go to Auburn. 37th round is a, you know, that probably doesn't come with enough incentive to give up your college. Right. Cody Bellinger, brother of Cole, son of former Yankee Clay, who went to high school out Oneonta Way here in New York State, drafted in the 15th round. In addition to Darren Baker, the Nationals also selected Jake Cousins. In the 20th round, he's the cousin of Washington Redskins, Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I so saw he's, Kirk Cousins tweet about that. That was cool. He is Cousins' cousin. Colby Bortles, brother of Blake Bortles, taken by the Tigers. There's a whole bunch of Zach Jarrett, picked by the Orioles, 28th round. He's a son and grandson of uh, Ned and Dale Jarrett, NASCAR Hall of Famers. Oh, wow. The Boone family, of course, they had three generations. It's possible now a fourth as... Brett's son, Jake, has been picked also by the Nationals. Oh, man. Troy Percival's, uh, his son, Cole, picked by the Angels. Troy, of course, had a great career out there. 
Boy, I'm starting to feel really old. All these guys. Yeah, Mark Guthrie had a kid. Uh, Baylor's women's basketball coach, Kim Mulkey, we've talked about her on a program. She had a son drafted. Andy Ashby, two-time All-Star, his son was drafted. Ryan Lidge, cousin of former Phillies great Brad Lidge, chosen by the Yankees in the 20th round. A lot of familiar faces. Uh, Here's one. Trey Cruz, picked by the Astros in the 35th round. Both his father and grandfather, Jose Sr. and Jose Jr., also played for the Astros. So a lot of familiar faces, a lot of familiar names, I guess. Now, faces I may not be. Coming up on today's show, Jaylene Hinkle has withdrawn from the U.S. women's national team. Many suspect it's due to the team's decision to wear rainbow-themed uniforms in honor of Gay Pride Month. She's been unfairly abused, really. I mean, just unfairly on social media. And regardless of the reason she withdrew from the team, the treatment she's received, it's, it's unfair, it's unnecessary. We'll break that down. Plus, it was a week where we saw more than one display of bad behavior and poor sportsmanship from professional athletes. Look, man, it comes with the job. you got to treat fans better than this. But we've all had those days, haven't we? And, of course, we'll get into shenanigans. You like that. I'll tell you what was the most awesome thing I saw this week. And stay tuned because Zach is going to pull a live rabbit out of his beard. That's all coming up today on the Beyond the Game program with Rick Benson and Zach Barlett. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th, at Capelli Sports Stadium as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15, with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies, including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. Game time is 6.05 p.m. Tickets can be purchased at the Rhinos box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel 
Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta at BTG program, mixing sports with faith. Zach, let me tell you what it is that really seems to frost my fanny. You know what frosts my fanny? You watch your language. Did that totally frost your fanny? Get off my lawn. Man, that'll frost your fanny. If your life had a face, I would punch it. That really frosts my fanny. Easy, compadre. Did I just frost your fanny? As a matter of fact, you did. I was at an intersection the other day on a small stretch of road where, where it opens up the four lanes, two going in either direction. I'm in the left lane. I'm waiting to make a left-hand turn. And the car coming the opposite way, well, it wasn't a car. It was a delivery truck. He was in the inside lane as well, and he stops to let me turn in front of him. Now, the problem is I couldn't really see what's coming at me in the far lane because he's in this delivery truck. Mm -hmm. And I have some clown behind me beeping his horn trying to get me to go, which, like, that's going to do anything. Really, that's just going to make me take longer to -hmm. make my turn. Absolutely. But I'm also getting looks from the driver in the delivery truck as to why I'm not going. Because I can't see around you, you jack wagon. Why are you mm-hmm. giving me a look? There's no way I'm trusting the truck driver like he's looked for me. You know, like he's looked in the rearview mirror and said, oh, yeah, nobody's right. coming. There's no way. Why are you stopping in a delivery truck anyway to let me turn in front of you on a four-lane road? Don't you know people can't see around you? Since I can't get out, I'm just sitting there waiting for him to move or, or waiting for something to happen. I'm not moving. I'm thinking, I'm just going to get out and kick somebody in the teeth here. But <laughs> I guess we all know that I can't get my leg up that high, so I didn't. During the Nationals game the other night against the Braves, National second baseman Daniel Murphy, who's reported to be a believer in Christ, he asked second base umpire Alan Porter if he'd move a bit so that Murphy could see better. And not an un- monumental request, not uncommon, happens all the time. They, you know, if the player is shielded, he asks the umpire to move a little bit. I have never seen an umpire refuse to move. That is until this guy. Porter actually refused to move. And you can find video of this exchange online. Murphy didn't shoot back. He didn't get into an argument. But Porter seemed really bothered by being asked. In fact, when the conversation was over, Porter turns around back towards home plate so Murphy can no longer see him. And cameras catch the umpire with some pretty foul language. They can, you know, muttering expletives at towards Murphy. After the game, Murphy told reporters that he and Porter later talked things out and got on the same page. He doesn't give a lot of detail except to say that Alan and I talked. I think we both understand we've got a job to do and we're both able to discuss and work through that. By the end of the game, there were no problems whatsoever. I I get that an umpire has a job to do, but isn't it a bit more important for the player to see? 100%, yeah. I mean, shouldn't that be the higher priority? Yeah, that that whole situation just seems so bizarre. And like you said, we've been watching you and I baseball for a long time. Never seen anything like that. I never have. I guess teammate Ryan Zimmerman was, I guess, on Porter getting Murphy's back as if to say, look, man, just move. So Porter starts swearing at him. Sometimes I just I don't get umpires, and they and they they frost my family. I I, I have did I say they frost my family? They frost my family. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Your whole family's upset now. Yeah, I've umpired many games. Look, they have a tough job. I'm not saying that. Well, most of them they're great. They do a good job, but some of them are just belligerent. 
it's as if they're bitter because they're not the stars on the field or maybe they're bitter because they're like a fast food worker at McDonald's and eventually they're not going to have a job because they can be replaced by a machine. And hopefully soon. <laughs> but we've all had those days, you know. You're a little on edge. Maybe you didn't get much sleep. Maybe you're you're not feeling your best. And people are just pushing your buttons. And maybe not intentionally. Maybe they're just leaning on them. But either way, the button gets pushed. And, you know, they're just kind of mm. rubbing you the wrong way. It happened to me. Happened to me this weekend. You know, the temperatures were hot. I work outside all day. Thousands of people were in and out of the sports park where I work for a soccer tournament. And by Sunday afternoon, which I like to call likes to fight Sunday, because (laughs) Friday they're all happy to see each other. Saturday they're just glad to be out on these beautiful fields. But by Sunday, these parents want to fight each other because it's getting towards championship rounds and Mm -hmm. the games, are. it's getting a little more intense. Nine-year-old, 12-year-old soccer and parents want to fight each other. So it's like to fight Sunday. And I'm a pretty big fan of lilac bushes. We live in Rochester. We have the lilac festival, lots of lilacs around, beautiful. I planted almost a 100 or so of them around the park. One day they're going to grow. They're going to be just gorgeous. But for now, at 12 inches or 15 inches, whatever they are, they look a little bit like baby Groot. (laughs) So on Saturday, some idiot decides that he wanted to park where I had some of these lilac bushes. And what you got to know, they're nowhere near the driveway. I guess I shouldn't say they're not near it, but it's an obvious area of the park that's not a driveway. Mm -hmm. So we put some lilac bushes in. As I'm cleaning up Saturday night, I'm noticing somebody pulled all these out. They pulled five or six of them out, along with these wooden stakes that I had to sort of flag the mowers where they were, and then also give them some sort of support as they grow. Somebody pulled them out to park there. All right, I put them all back in, put the stakes back in. On Sunday, likes to fight day, I look over, and there's a car right on top of one. And so I go over there. I roll up on the driver's side, and, you know, it's the guy's, he knows I'm there. But he's pretending to keep talking to his wife or his girlfriend, whatever it is. She's in the passenger seat. She's feeling awkward at this point because she's looking at him, looking at me. And the whole thing is just weird. Mm -hmm. So I do what anybody would do. I tap on the window, except I don't tap. I really pounded on it. I didn't push where it was going to be broken, but I was making some noise, and I got his attention. I could see him jump when I started pounding as hard as I did, and I immediately felt bad about it. But the guy says, I said, look, you're on top of one of our lilac bushes. And he says, well, I didn't see it. And I'm thinking, it's because your car's on top of it, jack wagon. (laughs) And he did eventually move. But like I say... I felt bad because I didn't intend to startle him. I really wanted his attention, and I pounded a little harder perhaps than I should. Well, last weekend at Pocono, NASCAR driver Danica Patrick, she had one of these days. It seems to she was booed by some fans when security turned away a fan approaching her for an autograph. Patrick continued walking, but when the booing started, she turns around, goes back to the fans, and starts yelling at them. Her quote, I do the best I can. I mean, if you're a real fan, you know that I'm not just, my job is to sign autographs, right? My job is to drive a car and to tell the crew chief what's going on. I don't appreciate the booing. It hurts my feelings. I'm a blanking person, you know what I mean? I'm a person too. I have feelings. Now, 
Oh, of course, nobody wants to get booed. No athlete wants to get booed, but it happens. It's part of the territory, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It goes with the career, you think? Yeah, whether you're a pro athlete or a NASCAR driver. <laughs> I was in Lowe's a weekend or two ago buying some supplies, and I don't know if I told you this, but I was short on time. So I've never done this before. I thought, well, I'll order it online and go in and pick it up. It'll be ready for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I get in there, and the order's not. I'm there an hour. I'm in the store an hour for something I ordered online and was just going to go in and pick up. Oh, boy. Yeah, it it wasn't a great experience. Lowe's is usually pretty good. I like shopping there. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I ordered it online. I get there. It's not ready. They pick it. Then they have to pick it a second time because it's not right. But they were having a bad day. Like I said, we all have these days. And when customers are backed up, I'm hearing people, because remember, I'm there for an hour in this mm-hmm. store watching all this go down. The customers are telling this poor girl how awful she is, how awful the store is, how awful the manager is, where is the manager, just giving them her a bad time. And she's trying. She's trying to wait on four or five people at once. She's not good at multitasking, I could tell this. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't getting too upset because she was at least trying. It makes me think of the story of Joe DiMaggio when he was having a bad day once. And this guy was razzing him, heckling him. A few hours later after the game, Dimaggio goes out to an ice cream shop. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it's legend, and I love the story. He goes out to the ice cream shop, and he recognizes that the guy behind the counter, the soda jerk, is the guy who'd been heckling him at the stadium. So as he's waiting for his place in line and the guy's waiting on other customers, Dimaggio starts heckling the ice cream guy. I would love to have seen this. And we all want that. We want to. We want to be able to come across customers who hassle us in their line of work, and be able to give them back. Danica Patrick said on Wednesday that she had a moment when she cursed at the fans. She said, in a perfect world, I would have never walked over there, and I would have just kept going. Mostly what I do every single day, if someone boos me, you just keep walking. But every now and again, they catch you in a moment, and I had a moment. That's the thing about the media coverage. You know, you've probably heard the story about Danica Patrick swearing at a fan. Mm -hmm. But she explained that that fan had gone through a security barricade trying to get the autograph. She says, I didn't feel it was right to honor that person for disrespecting the security guard and trying to get past him. So we hear in the media about her cursing at the fans. But what we don't hear is that the fan was doing something they weren't supposed to do. But now you know the rest of the story. Also this week, Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder Yasiel Puig suspended a game after flipping fans the double bird. He went both barrels Tuesday night in Cleveland after he hit a home run against the Indians. He went full on Mr. Met. (laughs) Puig said four fans in the dugout, in the dugout seats. Those are the seats that you and I sat in, Zach, for one game. Oh, those are amazing. Those are pretty decent seats. You're right there at field level. You're right alongside the dugout. Well, these guys were riding him before and even after the home run, he said it. And his quote was, I reacted that way. I stooped to their level. Puig accepted responsibility for the gesture. He said he'd pay whatever fine. He, I mean, how do you not? I mean, video has you. Oh, You're yeah. pretty well dead to rights there. But because of his immediate remorse, because of his acknowledgement, a number of his teammates were able to have a little fun with it, including Kenley Jansen. He suggested that Puig should argue that the gesture translates into thumbs up in Cuba. <laughs> 
sometimes, you know, it happens. You just have one of those days. Puig said it happened suddenly and it was something that just came out. And it's happened to all of us. You know, sometimes it, you're remorseful right away. Sometimes it takes a little time. I'm hopeful that, I'm hopeful that Puig would feel enough remorse that he would not flip off fans again at a baseball game, that Patrick would not curse out fans at a NASCAR race, and not because they were suspended or fined, but because they, they felt bad. And, and repentance is, is remorse, but it's the next step. It includes the extra step of not only acknowledging and feeling remorseful, but that you change your ways so that those things are not something you do again. The same is true when it comes to our sin. We will ultimately receive a punishment for sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a physical death, which we all face one day. We're all going to die. That's the wages of sin. It's death. But there's also a spiritual death, a separation from God. That's hell. A separation from a holy and righteous God. But when we realize that our sins put Jesus Christ on the cross, when we realize that he went there to pay for our sins, well, I would think that would bring about some form of remorse. Jesus died on the cross so that if anyone believed that he died, was buried, and rose again, well, they could be forgiven of sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, regardless of what you what you've done, regardless of the depth of your sin, God is ready to forgive you. A broken relationship with God, well, well, it's restored with repentance. And repentance starts with remorse, a humble, a genuine apology, saying I'm sorry, asking forgiveness, but then making changes. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of the most tragic accounts in the Bible is that of Judas. He betrayed the very one who was going to the cross to die and pay for his sins. Judas felt remorse over betraying Jesus and even said that he had sinned. Matthew 27, 4, Judas says, I, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. He knew what he had done was wrong, yet he never repented. He felt enough remorse to end up taking his own life. But nowhere in Scripture do we see him repent. If we want to be right before God, we got to make sure that our repentance is genuine. And that involves a heartfelt sorrow. But it's followed by an action to correct them. That's not to say we're not going to sin again. Of course we will. But there's a change in our life where we're striving to avoid them. The Apostle Paul says that, Godly sorrow produces a repentance, almost as if it happens naturally. 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. I think it's, it's, it's a matter of, you know, I, I feel bad about that, and then I feel bad enough about that to make changes. True repentance requires not only admitting our wrong to God and and maybe even to other people, but it's also taking practical steps of obedience to correct those wrongs. Some sins may have may become so habitual over the years that change isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to be corrected instantly. But don't, don't let that be an excuse for not doing anything at all. 
Come up with a plan. A plan that draws you into full obedience to Christ. There are many who teach that all a sinner has to do is to believe in Jesus for eternal life. That repentance has nothing to do with salvation. It's something that comes later. And make no mistake, I'm not saying repentance is part of a works-based salvation. Salvation from sin is by grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Repentance, however, it is a part of it. It is evidence, I guess, of a, of a truly remorseful heart. Repentance is not just something that we do at the time of salvation. It's something that really is the hallmark of a believer's life. It's, it's constantly there. As the Holy Spirit convicts us through God's word, we should be continually repenting things we do wrong. If you've not come to a place in your life where you've considered your sins and what that may mean for you, uh, what happens to you after you die, a place in heaven only comes with forgiveness. It only comes with forgiveness of sins. That's the only way to get to heaven. And forgiveness is available to anyone who would seek it. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to be saved from your sins, ask God today to forgive you. Don't wait. Pray to God and tell him that you know you're a sinner. Just like Danica Patrick, I knew I was wrong. Yasiel Puig, I knew I made a mistake. Tell God you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Admit your guilt and seek his forgiveness. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. That's the thing that so many of us in an apologize, in an apology, we forget to actually ask someone to forgive us. But then turn away from your sins and leave them in the past. Begin a new journey. Seek after righteousness. Draw closer to God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you want to know more about a faith in Christ, you can reach out to us through our website. And if you just want some prayer, we'd love to pray for you. You can reach out to us anonymously through our studio line, 585-431-1202. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. 
So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show. Recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here's your host, Rick Benson. And now it's time for the most awesome thing I saw this week. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. I don't believe what I just saw. Yes, that's awesome. The most awesome thing I saw this week was soccer club Christos FC. Have you ever heard of the soccer club Christos FC? Well, now I have. Of course you haven't. The reason you haven't is because it's an amateur adult men's soccer team from Baltimore, Maryland. They're sponsored by a liquor store. They're the the equivalent to the beer league softball team you used to play on. Well, Christos FC played its way into the U.S. Open and gave MLS's D.C. United quite a game. Wow. To get there, they had already beaten USL club Richmond Kickers, who played the same league as the Rochester Rhinos, and PDL squad Chicago FC United to make it all the way into the fourth round of the U.S. Open. This is a squad made up mainly of college players who are who are said to rarely practice. Men's teams don't practice. Your men's right. softball teams, they don't practice. And this underdog has quite a following. Over 5,000 fans were in attendance at the Maryland Soccerplex for the match. According to Soccer Stadium Digest, only nine of the USL's 30 teams are averaging more than that this season. The Rochester Rhinos are 21st out of 30, averaging 21.40 per match. These folks had 5,000. They played in front of 5,000, most of them traveling to support their favorite men's amateur soccer team. That's crazy. It is. Christos FC even had the lead for a bit before ultimately losing 4-1. to one. But say what you want about soccer, and, and you know I do, but this U.S. Open, the, the U.S. Open Cup is a fun event. When you get amateur teams playing with the pros, I mean, it's the soccer version of Mystery Alaska. <laughs> All right, Zach, let's get into this week's shenanigans statements. All right, well, we're more than two months into the baseball season. The Milwaukee Brewers are still in first place in the National League Central, so truth or shenanigans, it's time to accept that the Brewers are a legit contender. No way. Shenanigans. Uh, it's hard to believe that in a division with the Cardinals and the defending champion Cubs that the Brewers are in first place, but they are, and they're the only team above five hundred as we record this in that division. But I think the Cubs have too much power on their roster to play as poorly the rest of the year as they have so far. And the Brewers, I think, are a mirage. They've played well on the road, but they're under 500 at home. And playing bad at home, that, that's not really a good sign for any team who considers themselves a legitimate contender. I actually am going to disagree with you. I, I agree with the statement. I think that they are a legitimate contender, mostly just because of how bad the rest of that division has been. I think it's a right place, right time kind of thing for them. But... I, I did a little digging after I wrote this question, and for one thing, they're scoring a ton of runs. Their their home park really favors hitting, and they take advantage of that. Um, but their pitching staff has really come around. They had a, a no-name guy, Junior Guerra, who took a big step for them last year, pitching well this year. Uh, Chase Anderson and Jimmy Nelson are two guys who have bounced around 
the between the starting rotation and the bullpen for them for a while that have actually had a really good year, and they have the young prospects coming up to make an impact. So I don't see a reason why they can't at least hang around in the race for a while. Well, I think they could hang around in the wild card, but boy, I'm not seeing it. You got to play better than you got to play better than 500. What is it? Phil Rizzuto used to always say. You got to win two out of three at home and play 500 on the road, and that's mm-hmm. going to get you to the playoffs. They're a long way from doing that at home. That's true, but there's a lot of season left. There is. Number two, the Major League Baseball first-year player draft is the least interesting draft in professional sports. I agree, although it was kind of interesting this year to see some of the names that we talked mm-hmm. about at the beginning of the program. But, you know, we want we live in a culture with that wants immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. And in baseball, it's just not that. Players take it in this draft. They won't impact their team for many years. And for the average fan, they've forgotten their names long before they become a legitimate prospect. I agree. Um, as much as I enjoy it as sort of a, you know, the prospect nerd, I, I lose interest even sort of by the end of the first round. It's just, um, it's these players, a lot of them are so far away. Some of them won't even sign because they'll try to be drafted again next year and make better money. Um, and even with the NHL draft where these players are still several years away, there's always the top two or three that have a legitimate chance to play right away that season at 18 or 19 years old. Where in baseball, you just don't have that. So for me, as much as I love baseball and the draft, it is the least interesting one in pro sports. Yeah, and I think in hockey, there are a few seasons off, but it doesn't seem like they're as far as in baseball. Right. They become a really a different player in baseball. They draft them, and then their body changes, and they mm-hmm. sometimes they change positions. and. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. For the first year that I really remember, we saw multiple players drafted who are a pitcher and a really good hitter. So it's going to be interesting to see what those kids end up doing. That's going to be interesting. There is some really top guys coming that are two-way players and how baseball adjusted that. Sports Illustrated has done a couple articles of those recently. Right. Number three, the Atlanta Braves beat the freeze race is the best promotion in sports. What do you think, Zach? I disagree. I think really? it's one of the best. I think it's great. I love watching that video that's been bouncing around this week. This dude's fast. <laughs> and that fan <laughs> yeah, had is. a big head start. And this guy caught him and then the fan falls on his face. It's a great video. If you haven't watched I, it. I've seen sure. it. It was terrific. It's fantastic. I still am really um, a big fan of the sausage race. The oh, sausage Milwaukee. race in Milwaukee yeah. and, and the racing presidents in Washington. I just really, I like those characters. They're goofy and they're fun. And as, as I do really like the Mr. Freeze. He's probably a top five. But yeah, those, I, those I like the me. other races that you're talking about. But are you kidding? This is great. I agree. This is the best promotion of sports. Fans are, they're giving a 200 foot head start. And this cat still wins every time. And what makes it so good is this is a guy that's just part of the Braves ground crew. Yeah, you know, it's it's just amazing. The, the kind of originality is is usually mm. reserved for minor league teams. This this is great. I love it. I do like that it's a throwback to The Incredibles, which is a really great Disney <laughs> movie if you haven't seen it. Next, the Cleveland Cavaliers losing the NBA Finals to Golden State damages LeBron's legacy. You know, shenanigans. The guy's played on a team in seven consecutive NBA Finals. He's played eight NBA Finals total. He's only been in the league 14 years. He's been in the finals for eight of them. Yeah. Granted, after losing this year, he's three and five, and two of the ones that he won had to go seven games. But 
most of the time he's a one-man show, and, and he lost to better teams. But any guy in a discussion with Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, he doesn't have a legacy problem. He'll be fine. Oh, yeah, he'll be fine. And, uh, you know, you were saying, well, he's three and five in the finals now, but how many people have played in eight finals? You know, it's just having been in eight finals is remarkable. And I was looking at some of his numbers from this year, 33.6 points a game. He's not the reason that they lost. No, absolutely and, not. You know, I some people don't like him as a person. I'm kind of one of those people. But look, the way that he played this series just has done nothing to damage his legacy at all. Last but not least, nearly 63,000 voters were asked whether they'd pay $100 to watch a Mayweather versus McGregor fight, and an astounding 42% said they would. So truth or shenanigans, Benson, you'd pay the $100 to watch that fight. Shenanigans. For me, $100 is too hard to come by. You know, I, I have a hard enough paying 10 bucks at a movie theater. The movie's going to be a lot longer than a fight. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm interested. I can't pay $100 for it. You know, and I prefer boxing to MMA. This seems, this seems to have a bit of a novelty effect to it. Yeah. I'm going to be rooting for Conor McGregor. He looks like my son Brett to me. Reminds me of him. And I don't have anybody in my family that looks like Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> I'd be rooting for McGregor, McGregor too, but I'm with you. There's no way I'd pay $100 to watch any fight. I wouldn't pay any money to watch a Mayweather fight. You remember what happened in the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight? Yeah. Everybody dropped all this money, and they all wanted yeah. refunds because the fight was so boring. I think that's what we're going to see again. That's what a Mayweather fight is. So shenanigans. There's no way I'd pay 100 bucks to watch it. Stick around. We got more coming up after the break. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024, and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th, at Capelli Sports Stadium, as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15, with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies, including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th, as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. Game time is 6.05 p.m., 
Tickets can be purchased at the Rhino's box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. Recording the Beyond the Game program from Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We want to welcome in all those who may be listening from such faraway places as Germany, Japan, or England, all regularly among the top spots for most international downloads of the BTG podcast. At last count, I think it was over 40-some, 41, 42 maybe, different countries that the BTG podcast has been downloaded in. Yeah, it's pretty close. That's pretty remarkable, really. I think so. Wherever you may be listening, we thank you for your support. You can subscribe to the Beyond the Game podcast. Have it sent to your device each week. Simply search for us on iTunes or visit our website, btgprogram.com. Jaylene Hinkle is a 24-year-old soccer player you've probably never heard of, unless you're a soccer fan from her native Colorado or here in Western New York, where she played professionally with the Western New York Flash. She's also been part of the U.S. women's national team. And this year she'll be playing for the North Carolina Courage of the National Women's Soccer League. She's a born-again Christian who has withdrawn herself from two U.S. Women National Team exhibition games this weekend against Sweden and Norway. Currently, she's not indicated why she's decided to withdraw, but there's a speculation that it's due to the team's decision to wear rainbow-colored jerseys in support of Great Gay Pride Month. Hinkle's not been shy about expressing her views in the past when it comes to her faith. On this occasion, though, she said only that she's not playing because of personal reasons. Thanks to her Instagram account, which has been well-referenced and well-cited this week, she's on record publicly as being against gay marriage. After the Supreme Court decision back in 2015, Hinkle posted the following statement about the decision. My heart is that as Christians, we don't begin to throw a tantrum over what has been brought into law today but that we become much more loving, that through our love the lost, rejected, and abandoned find Christ. I have absolutely no problem. That is a great, terrific statement. Mm -hmm. In the days since, though, that then since she's withdrawn, I have read posts and articles that have run the gamut from respectfully disagreeing with her to vehemently being hateful 
and offensive. Many have said they respect her decision and the right she has to make such a choice, even though they themselves may disagree. Others have just been frothing at the mouth, hate and intolerance. And of course, assumptive. She has not confirmed yet why she has withdrawn, although they're probably right. It does have something to do with the uniforms, if I had to guess. But she's not said that, so I think it'd be uh, inappropriate to just assume that. I, I admire what she said back in 2015 about not throwing a tantrum over what has been done. How can you not agree, though? How can you not agree that it's necessary for believers to be that much more loving in order to best reflect the light of Christ? Of mm. course that makes sense. Yeah. Nobody's saying that you have to compromise your beliefs in any way. But if she stood up, and said some of the mean and hateful things in response that's being said of her, well, that would be more detrimental than it would be helpful to helping the blind and the lost see their need of Jesus. She tried to step down fairly anonymously. She didn't draw a lot of attention to herself. She didn't hold a press conference to speak out against anyone. She just simply withdrew. But then came the assumptions, and then came the... Uh, and again, probably that they're right on base. But even so, it's an assumption, and you don't need the accusations or the labels or the threats and the treatment that this fine young lady has received has been flat-out disgusting. And by the way, withdrawing from that team could not have been an easy choice for her. When you play a sport, you want to play at the highest level. You're invited to play with the U.S. team and then turn it down. That has to go against everything that the competitor inside her strives for. I applaud her sacrifice and her conviction. You know, it's many of the players on that team are gay. The coach is gay. She didn't refuse to play with them. She didn't refuse to associate with them. But perhaps personally wearing something which would so support for same-sex marriage was a line that she didn't want to cross. To demand that she apologize for that or that she never be invited back, I, you know, I think that's unfair and I, I think it's unnecessary. But it's a difficult thing to know what is the right response. Mm -hmm. I get why some believers think that they, uh, as business owners, should have a right to, to be protected, to respectfully deny someone's service because of their religious beliefs. But that's a very slippery slope because where do you, where does that stop? Mm -hmm. Is it skin color? Would that be a religious belief that you could deny somebody service? What if the tables were turned and they refused you because of your faith in Christ? I, um, you know, I can't tell somebody what is right, what is wrong when it comes to if they're feeling convicted about not making a cake for somebody, from not hosting an event for somebody based on religious beliefs, but for me, it's a cake. <laughs> you know, I don't see mm -hmm. why making a cake is that big a deal. I don't I don't get it. Um, I think this is a little more than that, wearing the uniform. But again, I, I don't know. What I do know is that several news reports have made me consider this question once again, and that's how do we respond as believers to the sins of other people? And we've all seen social media posts. We've all read blogs and articles everywhere from famous Christian authors to everyday Christians, just regular people. They range from legalism to liberalism. And, you know, how, how do you hold as a believer 
to truth and righteousness, but at the same time show grace and love. It's a really tough line because extreme legalism, well, that can foster hate, violence. You can, you've heard reports and news of abortion doctors being killed or clinics being blown up by somebody who took legalism too far. But then liberalism can lead to compromise and justification of sinful activities. And what's the right response? Well, I'll tell you, God's response. You know, the response that he lays out in his word, well, that's always right. What, how a Christian acts, their words, their behavior should reflect the heart and the character of Jesus Christ. It's up to the believers to help the world see Jesus. And to do that, the church needs to be more like him and more like a light in a dark world, not just adding more darkness to that world. John eight twelve says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light, light of life. Jesus came to bring us out of darkness, of sin and death, in, into forgiveness, into eternal life. And uh, forgiveness is found only in Jesus Christ. And it's up to those who believe in him to help those who don't see him. By being that light, our action, the way we live our lives is how we're that light. The way we talk, the way we act, when it's like Jesus, well, they see that we're changed. They see that he's changed us, and they see him in us. And I think that's what Jaylene Hinkle was trying to do. She wasn't causing a scene. She wasn't screaming through a bullhorn. She simply stepped aside. She gave in, She gave up a, a great opportunity Lightly because, likely because she felt that that light would be diminished if she compromised what she, what it is she believed in. If indeed that's why she stepped down. But like Jesus, she was both grace and truth. She withdrew without labeling, without shaming, without accusing. Had she had it were her way, I don't think we'd be talking about it right now. It would have been done so completely anonymously. She was grace and truth, just like. Jesus should be. John one fourteen says he was full of grace and truth, just like every believer should be. God intends for believers to be different. He calls us to take take off the ways of the world and put on the righteousness of God, Ephesians 4.24, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. God doesn't want us to ignore the world around us. He doesn't want us to remove ourselves from it. He wants us to engage it. He wants us to affect it for change. Just don't become part of it. Just don't compromise. Don't start letting go of truth in the name of acceptance. And certainly Jaylene Henkel, she was part of that world when she's playing on that U.S. world national team. But if assumptions are correct, she had a line of truth that she would not cross. I want to encourage you as a believer to show the love of Jesus. The struggle is to engage the lost without being shaped by their values. As we live like Christ in the world, people will notice. Perhaps your actions and your attitudes alone will give you an opportunity to share because someone may ask you about that hope that is within you. Be prepared to give an answer. First Peter 3.15, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. You don't have to be mean about it, but telling people how how they need to be forgiven of sins without condemning them, 
he does tell us to teach repentance. We talked about that earlier in the program. Luke twenty four forty six to 48, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. Believers, showing grace to others does not mean tolerance and acceptance of sinful behavior. The most gracious thing we can do for someone is to point them towards the cross and help them find the forgiveness they need because eternal life is found only in Jesus Christ. It's a good time to remind you we're going to close the show here in a minute, and we say at the end of every show, be bold and be great this week, everybody, and this is a good time to do that, telling people about Jesus, the Jesus they need, and the sin that needs to be forgiven. First John 2, 5 says, But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. I'm not sure if Phil Mickelson gave his daughter his word or not, but I would imagine he did. And even if he didn't, as a parent, you don't need to give your daughter your word. You just need to be at their graduation. And Mickelson will, after officially withdrawing from this weekend's U.S. Open, he delayed that decision because had there been rain in the forecast, there was a possibility he still could have made it. And I think he was still trying, but he's uh, he's put his family first. And Phil Mickelson putting family first is what I like this week. <laughs> What I liked this week was Monday night's return of Pirates pitcher Jamison Tyon from cancer treatment. He returned to the mound for the first time in, I want to say, roughly a month. Pitched five innings with five strikeouts, allowed no earned runs, basically picked right up where he left off. But anytime you see an athlete or anyone come back from cancer to do what they were doing previously, it's a good feeling. So Jamison Tyon's return to the mound is what I liked this week. Yeah, that that was pretty good. And I know a lot has been made over Mickelson. It just seems like something you should do as a parent. You should be at your child's 100%. graduation. I know my mother went to my graduation, which was kind because I did not go. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a story we need to tell on the show at some point. Well, it was I, I graduated in January, and I got a job right away, and I just wasn't going – to take the day off to go to my graduation. It wasn't a prior school wasn't a priority for me. But she did go. Another funny story, she bought me she asked me if I wanted one of those graduation rings, you know, the class ring. Mm-hmm. And I said I didn't and she bought it anyway. <laughs> and years later she'll tell you, you really didn't want it. You never wore it. I feel bad you bought it. Anyway, <laughs> that's a wrap for the show this week. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Beyond the Game program. Please consider partnering with our ministry, sharing the gospel through Sports Talk Radio. The Beyond the Game program is currently sending monthly support to a number of missionaries. Your contributions help us continue doing that as well as airing the BTG program in new markets. Visit our website for more information, btgprogram.com. And be sure to check out the Myth and Mysteries program. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, unsolved mysteries, and the like, you'll love this podcast. Zach Barletta does it with his brother Spencer, Myth and Mysteries. It's available on iTunes and Google Play or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 